All right, everybody, welcome back to another fun-filled episode of the Talking with Tarashek podcast. I am extra excited today because I am speaking with a, the co-founder and CEO of Day One, Andrew Hutton. Day One, if you don't know, is a community of founders, mentors, and entrepreneurs like myself to help get your business off the ground or to find that missing piece of your puzzle. Day One also has a fellowship, which, spoiler alert, your boy just joined, which Day One was actually today of recording this, pun intended. So we're going to talk all about that, life of founders like myself, the ins and the outs, the importance of community and niche, and whatever else comes up in conversation. So, Andrew, welcome to the podcast. It just so happens that, you know, I read your newsletter. Thanks to my girlfriend. I got a one-on-one with you. I asked you to be in a podcast, and who would have thought I joined the uh, the fellowship just a few I, days later? I love it. The entrepreneurial journey is, you know, completely, you know, windy. You don't know the twists and turns that are going to happen. It's completely par for the course. So, so excited to be here. I, uh, I hope to do justice to uh that intro that was awesome <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure you'll be great i play the music in, on purpose to get me amped up and to get the guests i'm amped, amped. Up. i was i was so, along i was that was awesome that was very so effective cool. always a shout out to my friend christian at cube recording studios for making that intro for me all the voices are me as always okay <laughs> so andrew kind of fill in the gaps for me kind of you know introduce yourself um, yeah give that pitch you gave that the introduction you gave this morning to all of us in the group yeah below any holes i missed with day one Absolutely. So founder of day one, day one's a startup. We launched at, uh, in 2020, the summer, spring, summer of 2020, which is, which was the height of the pandemic. It was kind of the first peak, um, when everyone was beginning to grapple with everything that was going on. Um, people were sheltering in place, leaving the cities, losing their jobs. And then there was also this optimism. There was, we have problems to solve. We're going to support our frontline workers and it's time to build, right? There was some energy in and around the startup ecosystem, but really it started to permeate beyond that because for a lot of folks, um, maybe you were now, you know, lost your job and you're at home and you can't go work at the restaurant, you can't go work in construction. And so you do, you gotta, you're just gonna get entrepreneurial or you're working your remote work job and you, <laughs> and now you have, you know, complete free time because you have no, nothing to do. So you start something on the side and this was 2020, that same mindset. That's not new. That wasn't new. That wasn't fresh in 2020. It just got one of these kind of COVID boosts of so many people coming out of the woodwork from all backgrounds, all sides of life. And that really hasn't abated, right? Um, in three years. And so, yeah, day one is a place for entrepreneurs to not just get their starts. Lots of entrepreneurs do come to day one as they're in that early tire kicking, figuring it out phase to get the thing together, but really also to make that leap to, to really, I mean, it's, it's the way we bill it is it's a lot like this is the metaphor I used on our kickoff today, like a CrossFit gym where you can come as a complete noob or you can come as a, you know, like total fitness freak and you can find your people and find your place and find the support, the tools, you know, the machines, the support, the, the things that are necessary to go on the journey, as well as the coaches who can kick your butt, as well as the peers who can be encouragement. Basically, here's the last thing I'll say about day one is that no one does anything really, really tough alone, whether it's, whether it's going through med school or, you know, like winning the NBA playoffs and watching those right now, 
just so you can date the podcast. Um, no Celtics, even though it's, uh, butt kicked. I, I don't think they're going to nope, pull no, through. No, they're not playing well. They can't beat Jimmy Butler in the heat. No, it's playoff Jimmy time. Um, but like just doing anything tough, whether it's sports or life or or you, you need your people. And really, you, you need someone coaching, guiding. This is why you, you have people helping to get into law school. This is why you have people. Anyway, every single circumstance, if you ever see just people doing inhuman things and starting a business is borderline you know, extra human. It just takes a ton. There's no, there's no reason why there shouldn't be a place to have that tight knit bonded people group around you. And some people who are leading from the front guiding, you know, servant leadership, the whole thing. So that's what we've built with day one. Um, let me give you like one, two seconds on where, where I came from, or does it Please. matter? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey man, I, I asked the question. You can answer it however you see fit. Dude, that's, that's what we've been doing for three years. If, I mean, if it's been three years, it's felt like longer than that. Um, all things startup life. I have an appreciation as a founder who supports founders of what it's all like. And so I can empathize with all of your ups and your downs and everything in between. But before that I was in venture capital. So I had a perspective on building a business from the VC and tech world in New York city. I was at this firm that was a venture studio, meaning we launched and built our own startups instead of, Instead of investing in them, we built them and then invested in them. So a really cool, not unique, we weren't the only ones who did it, but a not as common model for venture capital. And I got to see hundreds of founders come through our door and we'd pick the select few and we'd work with them and I'd work with them for three or six months and we'd build a startup. And if they got somewhere, they'd pitch and they'd get money and they'd go off to the races. And then I would do it again and again. And so we launched a dozen businesses over over two or three years um, before launching day one. And really I, I'll use that to tee up like the premise for day one. Again, like it was COVID, everyone was doing this entrepreneurial thing. I was doing the entrepreneurial thing. I was leaving the job to go do the thing. I felt the, the need that had that chip on my shoulder. And it was really about taking this motion, this expertise that I built up and this, um, the, you know, it was like a machine. We were a machine, uh, like a factory building startups. I saw the, how this, how the thing works. And I said, why don't we help more people? Why is this so selective? Why is this so insular? And in venture capital for all it's like coolness is extremely insular. And uh, we wanted to Robin Hood some of that goodness and apply it and, and make it available to more people. So 500 some odd founders have come through day one since 2020. And, you know, we're just getting started. That's that's unbelievable. That is that is quite the origin story. You just because you, like you, you said it, nail on the head. Not everyone can do it alone. You, everyone needs help. Everyone needs like that kind of community and that support system to kind of get you through. Um, and community, 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 community is one of the hardest things for any business to build. Like specifically, like podcasting, right? a podcast community, like an audience, building a community of people who support you and support your content is very, very, very hard to do because it's like, okay, I'm putting all the content out there. It's available on RSS feeds. It's available on YouTube. It's available on TikTok. But everything's kind of segmented. How do you kind of get them all together into like a Patreon or a Discord or like a Slack channel? So how do you, how, what's the, what is the first step day one of building a community? Yeah, honestly, I think my my thesis, my frameworks for building community starts with what I would say any founder should do, which is 
who are you, who is your customer? This person who might come into your community, treat them like a customer, treat them like someone who has options, can buy your thing, can buy, can spend their time with you, can spend their time with someone else. And then think about what do they need and want and where are they going and how can you help them get there? The thing you offer to them, the thing that should be really valuable, should be something they really want. Um, that's where you start. You start with, I'm giving you something you need, want, desire. And um, I'm going to get you in with that. It's, a, it's an exchange. It's, a, it's, 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 it's very simple, breaking it down, right? So you're selling the thing and you're offering the thing, that thing being community, just the same way someone else might sell soap and someone else might sell software, you're selling community. So I think all communities start with that premise of like, what's the thing? What are you coming for? Then you have a bit of a chicken and egg problem, right? Which is, okay, let's say I'm selling this thing and a lot of people want it. Well, they kind of like can sniff out that it's not really real yet, right? There's no one there. So how do you start the party is maybe the other more fundamental question is if you figured out what you're doing and for who and what it's going to be like inside, and let's say people start to want it, it's pretty natural for someone to want it, but then not come because again, chicken and egg, right? So cracking the chicken and egg problem, the way we did it at day one, frankly, was we just put up an application. One, we, we, were, we were playing at the right time. So we were riding a wave, right? This was absolutely the right time. 2020, summer of 2020 was absolutely the right time to launch day one. The, um, we put a landing page up and said, hey, we're going to launch our first cohort in um, September. Who wants in? Right. And got the word out far and wide just through social media. We launched on product hunt, very standard stuff to get the word out. And we got a bunch of people to apply. Right. So now we had no one knew that no one else was there, <laughs> but we basically, you know, faked it. Right. We said, hey, this is going to be real. It's going to be freaking awesome. We had some cool supporters. We had some people promoting it. Um, the vibes were right. And so we had like 50 people join that first cohort. And now all of a sudden we're there. We have this community of 50 people. They were the only 50, but they went through a program. They got to know each other. And then we did it again and again and again. So one strategy, it's not for every community, is to onboard people cohorts at a time, right? Where you basically, anyway, I'm getting really tactical and that's probably not quite where we need to take it. But, you know, building community is super tough. I think people who want to start a community do get stuck at that exact moment I described, which is like, sweet, I've got a thing, now I have 10 people, it's really lame. <laughs> and I'm like very conscious of that and I'm self-conscious of that and I don't want to, and I'm like, yeah, I get that. Like you kind of have to either like muscle through that lame period and like go hang out with those 10 people one-on-one -on -one and make it like a fun place to be and just grow it a person at a time or do a little bit of what we did, which is like try to get a bigger group all at once. And, and then you just got to operate the community like you're operating a, frankly, a product, right? It's like you're selling, again, you're doing a service, you're selling something. It can't just be hanging out, right? What, what is happening? What are you doing for them? Anyway, lots of thoughts on community. It's um, definitely an important aspect. Maybe it's overused sometimes. I think it's still really valuable. I think people need it, want it. It's just, how are they getting it? Is it online? Is it in person? Is it, who knows, right? So It's, it's valuable and it works, right? Obviously, that's duh, duh. It's like a duh statement. It's valuable and it works. But the hardest part of community is, one, having the people. Because there are plenty of communities out there like a Slack channel or a Discord that just are inactive, and including the person who founded it, right? It's just, it's just, it's just there of a bunch of people who are just kind of ghosts. So, but it sounds like to me, like you kind of built your community based off 
network within a network. Everyone's kind of got their networks together yeah. and got that strong foundation. Now, you can easily say everyone needs a community, but you need the people to be there first. Like when when yep. should when should someone pull the trigger? Because you don't want to pull it and not, no one's there. Yeah, I would say it's also, um, in some ways you can't, I saw someone else tweet this. I have no idea who, sorry, I'm not going to give credit, but I'm also going to butcher it. So you don't like make community, you like right. find it, exactly. right? And you just you just capture some of the energy. So I do think the energy and desire for founders to be together, one is always there. It's definitely there and we're capturing it. But back in 2020, when we first started, it was more overt, it was definitely there. So if you're thinking about starting a community and you don't literally already have the people around you, um, I don't think you're in, you haven't gotten the first base yet. Like first base would be, go find where these people hang out in like the digital ether, whether it's on Twitter or Discord or, or rather like Reddit or Twitter, like the more open platforms and get be, be amongst them and like be friends, like DM them, like go hang out. Like the fact that I had hundreds of founders I could e- email, not even just like LinkedIn, but like in a lot, lot like here's, here's what it was like to start day one. I had dozens of founders who were like, Andrew helped me launch my business. They felt like I, they, I was going to use the word beholden. Beholden is the wrong word. But like we were, we were one, we're friends. And two, it was my job to serve them. So I got paid. It wasn't like I was <laughs> doing it out of like, yeah, it was my, but I was like, we had this great relationship, right? And um, I had built up re- reputation and trust with like many people. And then broader than that, I was like in contact with hundreds more. And, and these are like first degree connections, right? So if you aren't that level of connected into a group, I don't think you really have a community to start just yet, right? Um, you absolutely, and it could be a little less direct and a little more ephemeral, whether it's on social media, right? Like there's obviously lots of tactics and I, I'm not a super big social media person. So that's not where... I focused and had my credibility, right? But plenty of people do, right? In different arenas, right? Anyway, I think you have to have the sort of like out there credibility before you can bring it inside. That's like the most natural way to community build. I mean, it's either that, I think that's maybe a necessary but not sufficient point. You have to figure out what do they want? Why would they come to you for that thing that is community, that community is delivering? And then... um, Ooh, I had a third point and it's escaping me. You have to have the people, you have to have the thing that they want. Or frankly, the other option is just to be, like I said, super small and just be like, sweet, we have a text chain of six people. Let's see if seven wants to join and be super humble about it. No ego and just start from humble beginnings and then, and then grow. So we didn't take that route. We were a little more like commercial about it because this was a business from the start. But a lot of audience communities aren't businesses. They're just book clubs. <laughs> that become bigger, you know, or like pickleball teams or something, right? Like, yeah, community, I think community, it, community can mean a lot of things. Like even just totally. the d- discourse, all my friends that we all game with, that is our community. You know, it's very local to me. It's very personal to me. It's nothing to do with business, but yeah, it's my community. Um, totally. but even when it comes and that could to- be a business tomorrow because like gaming is a huge freaking industry in business. And like, yeah, I mean, who knows? You know, as much as I, <laughs> as much as I love content and podcasting, I have zero interest in actually streaming games. Like I am a big gamer. My PC that that is on in the shop right now is a PC gaming PC as well as yeah. a live streaming PC. 
But like me and my friends always hop in while playing different games. We're talking, we're hanging out. But I have no interest in trying to go on Twitch and just broadcast my games because games are very personal to me. I like still I like single player games. I don't even play Fortnite or Call of Duty. I play like old games, so like uh, whatever. Um, totally. I still I still but, play, but play Oblivion. But you have friends and you have yeah. a crew that does a similar vibes, right? I and they imagine. know and they know I podcast too. So they if they you know, that community, if they say, Hey, I know someone's trying to start a podcast, they come straight to me. So like, like well, that's more networking what, though, no? But I'd go with the I'd go the other well, networking to community is like Yeah, so what's the difference between like you know? networking and community building? I mean like Or is there one? It's a continuum, right? My yeah, yeah. And, and and maybe when you like tip over or so like my networking at my day job before day one enabled me to build a community. It's the same people. It's just networking is, is the very, it's not natural to everybody, but it's the more organic. You meet people again, organically or inorganically. You go to a conference, you go to an event, you hang, hang out at a happy hour, whatever, right? You meet people, do pod, you meet people, you make friends, that's networking, right? And there just happen to be work related industry aligned friends right or acquaintance whatever whatever that word is like the work friend is like a new category of like social relationship so you do that a lot i think that's every single person first bit of advice from andrew here every single person if you can figure out how to get paid to network extensively in your industry best investment roi for your um career right if you know you want to play in this thing and marketing and and government i don't care right if you pick your thing find ways to get paid to be outgoing and networking and build connections because that's where your next job is going to come from if you leave that's where your contracts are going to come from if you want to build a community that's where that's going to come from so it does start basically and this is something i could say and i will say about community is that the atomic unit of community is just relationships and so if you're building a community and people aren't having relationships with each other, you're not building a community, you're building an audience. And so jump back over here, I just had relationships with like 300 people, which is quite a lot, you know, for like, maybe it's not even that huge though, right? Some people have a, a lot more. So you network, you build relationships, and then you can port that over into a community. And we just decided to start, um, we said, there's more than what's happening. Frankly, this is also part of the thesis for day one, which is, Plenty of people will try to break into these founder ecosystems. Like maybe it's your city, maybe it's New York or San Francisco. I mean, New York and San Francisco are the big ones, but every city has a little founder ecosystem, right? Uh, Boston has a big one. Nashville has a small one, whatever, right? Um, so you want to go meet up and go to the happy hours and go to like the place, the co-working spaces, whatever, the, the offices where these meetups are happening. Um, that's how most people from like the dawn of like venture capital to like, 2020 found their community. It was basically on you to do it. And it was, I mean, it was just hit or miss. You just succeeded or not. And a lot of it was how friendly you were, frankly. And a lot of it wasn't even how friendly you were. It was how, how, uh, how similar you looked to all the other people who were doing it. And that's not very cool or fair. Right. Um, and so on, so venture capital in particular, but a lot of like startup world was very gatekept by just like the social ties. So these social ties were actually keeping people out. They were very insular. And so what we wanted to do was basically say, hey, let's just like reform some of these social ties and give people like a new, more open door to break in and like remake the social ties together. Like we can be powerful together. We don't need all these other things. Let's just do it here. 
And I, and I can, and like, what I can do is I can bridge the gap. So I can help new people coming together to, um, form connections with some of the other insiders who want to help this new group. And, and it's, and it's, you know, that, that's, that's specifically how day one went. And, um, yeah, it's just relationships. Right. And so I had relationships, we help people build relationships that's carried over. Um, again, most communities shouldn't be that big. <laughs> right. I think, you know, yeah, the, because it, the bigger it gets, the harder it is to manage. Absolutely. Just, it has nothing's worse than joining a discord server. And it's just message, 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 like every three, 30 it's, seconds. It's like, just I'm useless. Just, I'm out. <laughs> I'm it's out. useless. Yeah. And so, and so Too what much. happens on the internet is you have these like useless discords that really don't do anything or slacks or whatever. Um, or you have the older world before all this online community, which was just like, if you didn't, if you weren't literally friends with the cool kids in the click, you didn't really have an in. And so, um, and so it needed to be like a third place essentially where we're intentionally keeping it, um, you know, small, even 500 people, that sounds like a lot. That's a good number, right? Um, I have lists. I have every single person. I could tag them tomorrow if I wanted to, but um, but we intentionally keep it small, right? And so I do think there's a big distinction, and maybe this is a segue to like another topic that I know you have is like, what well, is the difference between like community and your audience, right? So like to build a podcasting community would be about people who like have a strong need around podcasting, to do podcasting, to learn about podcasting, something in that arena, you'd pick which one you want to solve or which needs you want to start with maybe. And then it's a small group, it's a small group of people doing that thing and maybe other things. And that's also fun. It's not just about one thing. It's diverse. Right. But, um, it would never, it shouldn't get too big, at least to start, right? Like it should be helpful. It should be communal. Um, it, people should learn from you as well as each other. That's the given. That's those are important ingredients. Um, but it's got a difference from a podcast audience, which should be big, right? One thousands. One one would hope. And that's when I mean it's the goal. And I think that's a different business model, right? We shouldn't call it community. We should call it audience. And audiences are very powerful because now you have because no one in the audience connects with each other. They just all listen, right? It's broadcast. It's in my inbox. It's in my it, RSS it, de- it depends on the medium, right? Because like my wrestling podcast, we have a Discord. It's about maybe th- 15, 20 people. And it's great, right? It's people we all podcast with in our network. And it's great. And there's people when we, and we also live stream. So I, every live stream I know, Taquan's going to be there. Mr. Fretz is going to be there. Every now and then Charles pops in, right? That's, that is my small community. So yeah, they, they, so fans can interact with each other, you know, if you so get it's a- like, it's like a hierarchy. It's like yes. audience is a lot less investment, a lot lower lift. I just listen once a week or I read it once a week or whatever it is. And then the business that I'm a big fan of, you've, we've heard of morning. I mean, morning, these, these, there's these news, new, they're frankly newsletters, these newsletter businesses that popped up over the last five years, all the morning brews, the hustle was a big one before morning or at the same time as morning brew. They're kind of the two that like duked it out and they both got acquired around the same time. So they have like very similar trajectories. There's a new one called Work Week, which has a lot of different creators underneath their umbrella. You obviously have like Axios and the information and the skim. These are all like business oriented newsletters, okay? That all grew up in like the 2015 to, to now, like last eight years or so, right? Um, the business of creating an audience and then turning your like biggest fans into community is freaking awesome. 
That's like how it should go. And yes, you can start with a community if you have your biggest fans. Actually, the other way is to find those biggest fans, figure out what you all are talking about and like how that conversation is going and then say it to everybody else, right? And make people a little jealous of like not being able to hang out inside of the inner group. But I mean, maybe no actual FOMO, but just like let them know this is stuff that's happening. Um, but yeah, there's a nice dance in between the two, right? Building podcast or building, I mean, podcast is, is the, is the cousin, right? To newsletters, building an audience and building a community. Um, I do think every founder, here's the other thing, a second piece of advice from Andrew, something I find myself saying to everyone who will listen is the best time to have a built in newsletter or a podcast audience is like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, kind of like planting a tree. And the next best time is right now. Right so now. Do it. Yeah. Just do it. It will just grow at the, let it, it grows slowly. It grows. It probably won't grow quickly, but every time you want one, you can't have it right away. <laughs> so, so invest in it now. Right. I think, I think so many people would benefit from building their audience and, um, and whatever mediums they're most proficient. Right. I like writing, right. Some people would love are just great interviewers and talking and everything in between. So, Build your audience, build that um, asset now before you need it, right? Pick your interest, your vertical, whatever it might be. And then, um, and then you never know when you need it. And then all of a sudden you have an audience. And, the, and that goes back to a point you mentioned way back in the beginning, almost 15 minutes ago now, um, where the necessity People start businesses like in 2020 out of necessity. It, my business started out of necessity because I was laid off. Well, I saw the writing on the wall. I was going to be laid off. So I was like, okay, I need a plan B. And that comes back to my other point of, okay, let's go back to center. Whenever, um, like if you, you speak to founders all the time who are lost, like myself, I'm still kind of lost trying to figure out what I'm doing. And um, my girlfriend asked me this question. She's like, what do I do? And I thought about it and it kind of just clicked. I'm like, you love consulting. You love speaking to people and you love, you love consulting by, with people and getting consulted by people. That is your center. If you don't know what to do, go back to center. My center is podcasting. If I don't know what to do, if I am kind of lost, I'm in a rut and I don't know like what my next career move is, I find someone to talk to on a podcast and I keep creating content. That is my center. Um, so how important is it for like founders and people who are kind of lost to kind of have that bedrock of a center, finding your center? Yeah. I love that premise. I think um, I can take that in a few ways, right? I think it's apps. I'll, I'll, I'll come off that like core idea. I, I agree with it, right? I think it's really important for founders to, one of the things that we guide founders through if they haven't done it is an exercise just around founder fits. Like what are you, um, it, you know, it could be this like Ikagi, Ikigai idea. It's cousins to that. It's just our version, my own version of that, where it's like, what's like going to really work for you, right? That's both going to work for what you like to do, what you're good at, what the world needs. Again, that's the guy model, right? And so I think that's hyper important. And it's, and it's sometimes tough because what you want to do isn't always what the world needs. And so you have to like either get creative to find the middle ground or maybe, maybe compromise a little again, right? Like the world's, there's a little un, <laughs> unforgiving sometimes you don't get to do what you want to do all day. So I think that's hyper important for founders to figure out because it's the foundation for what they do entrepreneur. It's really a foundation for what they do in anything, but definitely entrepreneurially, because as an entrepreneur, you don't have the natural constraints. You can kind of pick what you want. The constraint is the market. The constraint is what's going to work. 
Right. But you, you have your freedom to figure, figure it out for yourself. But it's your job to figure yeah. it out and you have freedom. So if you want to go try and sell courses about underwater basket weaving, go for it, right? It might not take, but you, you're free to try. And so a lot, a lot of what we do with entrepreneurs is um, what I do with entrepreneurs. One is like to get that center. If we don't have that center, frankly, everything else is going to be a lot harder because we just don't have like a core, like there's not that core foundation. So let's get that check. Right. Um, that helps us just like make some easy choices. Like, do you want to build a big business or a small business? Do you want to build a huge team or a small team? Right. Do you want to, which area do you want to build in? Like what, and what skills do you have that you should lean into? So in some ways I can help get a founder to their next business idea just from asking like, who are you and what do you want and what are you good at and where do you have expertise? And I can just draw a box and be like, go, there's a business in there, go find it. That happens all the time. Um, the other thing that I, and I say a lot related to like, less related to just the idea of finding that center and having it and knowing it is just recognizing um, most businesses fail because they run out of money. Kind of silly thing to say because that's not a cause, that's an effect, <laughs> right? Other things happened to make you run out of money, right? Um, but one way to not run out of money is to keep your job <laughs> and to build while on the, uh, on the side, the idea of a side hustle, right? I think, I don't know, I'm speaking to the audience, the world here, everyone probably has a different conception of side hustle. I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to pause you real quick. Yeah. I, I despise the term side hustle. I, I, think I love it, but I, I think we probably mean the same thing. You know? Right, like, but like, cause <laughs> there's, there's no such thing as a side hustle. A side hustle is a main hustle. The, the, the fact that side hustle, no, this, this podcast isn't a side hustle. Yes, I have a full-time job that pays me and gets necessities, but I arguably spend just enough time on this, my side hustle, as I do my full-time job. And with the goal being of making it my full, full-time job. So, so the terms, I, the terms, especially today, because in order for a side hustle to be successful, you got to go all in to even make a dollar. So the term side hustle, I think, needs to be retired. It's a terrible term. But so that's continue. a very fair premise. That's a very fair premise. I think I would love to get to the world where working while having a job is not anything less than, right? right. And we can call it what it... I think it's important to give people space and cover to say working while having a job is not bad and it's not you know it, you're it's uniquely american <laughs> well it's where where i came from um in the world of venture capital there's a little bit of a stigma where if you're not all in on your startup idea you're not taken seriously right, right. so it's definitely a, there's a stigma and, and it's we're slowly unwinding it because everyone realizes that's like hyper privilege. Like you can only go into a business all in if you have a freaking trust fund, right? right. Um, or you just sold your business and you're already independently wealthy, right? So I think we're all realizing that entrepreneurship is way too big to just fit for people who can like basically play with play money, right? Yeah, who, 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 can, who can play with house money, who can afford so, it. Yeah. So it should be the de facto way of building that you keep a thing that keeps your lights on, that keeps you sustainable, that basically you can go build a business without, um, without it making money for as long as it takes before it makes money. That is 100% the best way to start most businesses, right? Um, the, that, whether it's going to be a venture-backed business eventually, whether you're going to keep it a startup or a, rather a small business, like a bootstrap business, it just does not matter. The best way to do it 
is to give yourself optionality because everything will take longer than you think. It will not happen overnight. You absolutely need to chew some glass and go through the tough parts to get there. Now, that's not to mean like uncritically go blindly in a direction. Definitely pivot, think long and hard about things like get, go to day one, get the right people around you to make the right moves and calls. But the thing that kills businesses is that it's really just founders give up and founders give up as much as often because they run out of money. Sometimes they give up because they're burnt out, which is an equally big, different problem. Um, But if you as a founder cannot give up, there is definitely a set of cases where that's the wrong move. And man, that, that actually is a separate topic and very much is painful to me because if a founder is build, pushing a boulder uphill, I like, I, I, as gently and lovingly as possible, want to say, kill this business, <laughs> stop it, do something else. You're I leaving- think, I think that's great advice that honestly isn't given enough. Like, not nearly enough. There, not like, nearly a lot, enough. A lot of it's, advice in general can just become be platitudes, and you need to do this. You just, you just got to work harder. Sometimes someone just needs to be slapped in the face and go, your idea is bad, or your idea is generic, or your idea needs to be reworked a lot. It's don't give up, but just stop. So the way, the, way, the way I say it, well, well, well said, Will, because the way I say it is it's not that like, your idea is bad and give up. It's change course. Yes. And change course could mean just pivot the business. It could mean rethink a lot of your assumptions. It could mean stop, go get a job, go build up your war chest, go, frankly, have some new experiences, right? Like one of the, building a startup is like executing on like the sum of your insights that you lived in the world. But the second you like go to jump in and solve your problems, you've stopped doing that thing that got you those insights. Like this is what happens. This is where most startups should come from. You either lit, you either work in a job, in a field, in an industry, and you do it enough, and you're like, I hate doing this. This part of my job sucks. <laughs> Let me solve it, right? And because I've been doing it for years, I know why it sucks. I know who's the gatekeeper. I know exactly how to fix it. That's a business to build. The other thing, of course, is like you ha- you're a gamer. You've been gaming forever you realize Discord is not the right way to get 10 people to talk during a game, you build that product, right? So it can come from your personal or your professional life, but it comes from this lived experience, right? So it's not fair to say technically that when you start building a startup, you stop gaming and you stop getting those insights, but you, your brain switches. You go into like execute mode versus like learn mode, right? So it's very freaking fair to say like after you've been building for a few years to be like, Life is long. Let me say that too. Life is way longer than most young people will let themselves believe. So just stop. <laughs> Take a step back. Go make some money. Have some fun. Go on a vacation. Find some new problems. Have a hobby. Work in a job. Go deep. Network a freaking lot, right? Let's bring that back. And two or three years later, you should have a much better startup idea, right? I think people should go in these two or three year waves where like, Two to three years to build that three years being the outer edge where if it's not working, you can feel like you really shot your shot. You put everything into it and then you sunset and you switch back and you go work for two or three years, right? And now you're like, just keep building up your notebook of problems and things to solve and then take a shot, right? And then life gets in the way. So you might have to work for six years or 10 years because you have, who knows, right? Kids, whatever, right? Like all the things are going to happen. Let's just like put all that on the, so we got into this conversation because we said side hustles are a bad 
name for a very good thing, <laughs> right? It's a silly, it should not be like called the side hustle. It should just be called work building with a job, right? Um, where the job should minimize. That's the goal. The goal is to make the job less and less important to you to the point where it's not important to your revenue, your income. It's not important to your identity. You just quit. Yeah. And now this thing is here. I well, want everyone like, to have that experience. It's also like the term, the term hustler. Like, oh, you're a hustler. It's just like, oh, it's like, well, thank you. But also, let me, let me break that word down for a second. So like, I, like, the, like the fellowship, right? I also, once I got the fellowship, I texted my boss like, hey, by the way, can I need to make a few things here? And she was, one, amazingly proud of me, very happy cool. for me, very supportive, which is cool. oh, so weight off the shoulders. Good vibes. But yeah. she's like, you know, you work hard and you're a hustler. And I go, ooh, hustler. Because the connotation is... Well, what is a hustler? A hustler is also someone who's kind of scamming people, right? right a hustler is right. someone who works. A hustler can also be someone who works really hard to go nowhere, just to stay still and kind of stay where you are. So, side hustle and hustler, it's just like you work really hard, but almost it's kind of like you're working really hard at the wrong thing. Will is a hustler. I, I, I'm a big fan of people working smart. I mean, yes. Again, it, it, this is where advice is annoyingly is generic and wrong, right? Like. Gary Vee is one of our partners and his whole thing is very hustly and very like put in the work and yada, yada, yada. And that's right for a lot of people. It's obviously right from a certain context. Like you do have to just work. You shouldn't overthink things. You should just do it, ship it, get it done. Right. That is all true. And it's gotten rolled up into the hustle culture. Um, after you've done that, or as you're doing that, you do need to figure out how to be smarter. <laughs> Right. And it's like, so you hustle and you go to garage sales and you flip things at some point you should figure out how to like only go to the garage sales that have the good stuff. Right. Or upgrade from garage sales to like estate sales to like storage unit sales or whatever those are. Right. Like at some point you got to go from hustling to smart. Right. And that's, um, again, again, a little bit of like my philosophy at day one It's yes, you're going to have to do this stuff. Like I said this morning, basically, this is the, a four week period to not overthink things yourself because you have a lot of other people around you to think with you and for you. So you go do a thing. All of a sudden you have four different people giving you their perspective. And instead of overthinking it yourself, you're like, Oh, I was now, now I know why that was or wasn't a good idea. Right. But, but, be, but you're just infinitely smarter and further along because other people told you, plus you just lived it and now you know how to do it again, or you do know to do it again and now you double down. So it's like getting smart in how you do entrepreneurship is, this is where like day one, at some points in time to the right audience, I'll talk about ourselves as like a school for entrepreneurship, not a school where you just like sit in class, but more like a trade school where you're like welding on the job or whatever, right? right? Where, you're so. actu where you're actually like, learning the like there's game there's levels to this and you yeah. see like the gurus like grant cardone and kind of gary v even right like like you can maybe you i don't know would you say that it's obvious that there's levels to entrepreneurship that some people play up oh, here yeah. hell okay. yeah Absolutely. it is obvious Definitely. okay and, so and, 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 you, and you can move like, up those levels <laughs> yeah and, and, and ground one is the foundation and finding your center right that's find your what, center what what and, and then get do? started and gets like and then get you, started if you if you don't have one of the things that will kill every entrepreneur and, and i see this a lot when i see like corporate techie big tech people start entrepreneurship is they overthink to a max and, and they, they overcomplicate Overcomplicate. I am guilty of that. So it doesn't. So finding your center is like one of the starting spots. 
But if you're not like action oriented, biased towards action, however you say it, in a real way, because again, I'm pretty sure like I came from the consulting world, like corporate, you know, management consulting. Um, a lot of people come from big tech, whatever like industry background you come from, bias towards action can mean a very different thing for a employee versus a founder. And you need the founder version of bias towards action. And if you don't have that, um, I kind of can't fix anything. It doesn't, I, in fact, I don't really want to fix anything fix you right because it doesn't matter how great you're at i cannot stand armchair entrepreneurs <laughs> right and i talk to too many of them and they don't expose themselves right away because no one you know the first thing i'll talk about is your idea what are you doing but you remember the first time we chatted i absolutely was asking about the journey as much as the idea those two things the, th the things that happen through time and the things that are like the the, the unit that you're building are equally important to me, but people who only care about the unit and the complexity of the thing and over complexity of the thing without just doing stuff like, you know, and then every single time I could talk to a person, I can almost use you as an example. Will I can just decide, are you like hyperactive and doing too much and need to like work a little smarter or are you way overthinking it and need to get into the game and every person just needs a little calibration. Right. And so, you've been hustling this hustling the, the pejorative, right? But you've been at this for a minute, right? And so how do we work smarter? How do we figure out the thing so that your next steps are as, as like effective and like progress making as possible. Right. right. And I, I've, um, been, I've been thinking a lot about that, um, which is a big reason why I'm doing this. So yeah. I'm thinking about like the pitch, like the, the pitches we have to make. So I'm thinking, okay, yeah. And I'm thinking niche, like niche, 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 niche. I'm going to say it again, niche. That's a big one. Finding your niche. So I'm trying to think like, so I'm kind of, I kind of, I'm still kind of like, uh, I think in the PowerPoint, you said like, it was like, if you have an and or a but stop and pick one. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of yeah. trying to pick one. Do I kind of gear more towards like, cause I have the podcast, obviously podcasting is my niche. Well, can, yeah. let me ask you, can podcasting be a niche? It's all levels. So it's obviously a niche. It, it sounds like the top level. It doesn't sound like niche enough, right? It okay. sounds like, um, I don't have like a, a very clear framework for this, but when you say podcasting, you, you mean not other forms of media, right? So in terms of like media, podcasting as a niche versus newsletters, let's, let's add it. What's the next word? It's podcast production, right? Is what we're okay. talking about. So, okay. so specifically... Well, okay, so there's podcast production, there's podcast marketing, there's podcast distribution, right? Those right. are the big three. So, so those are different um, services, right? Those are different things you can do. The first niche, you do need to niche. Um, so every business is product and market. And you've heard product market fit, product market fit, product market fit, product and market, product and market. They need to fit. Um, the three things you described are products. They're offerings, right? And then, so you... Niching on your product is important and it's a separate than niching on your customer, on your market. I think niching, niching on both is hard for different reasons for different people, right? Plenty of people do too many things. I think yep. it's easier. I think it's a little bit easier, although it does feel like killing your ideas and killing your babies to like niche your product. Niching your customer can be existentially hard for people. So when you say podcast, podcast services, there's six services. Maybe you pick one. I'm okay with 
services, especially being a little broader, at some point you're also just going to figure out. So I kind of don't care at the beginning what your services are because you're going to figure out what people want eventually. But your customer, if you don't actively figure out who your customer is and get niched and focus on them, they will never find you and you will never find them. And so that is where it's more important. So you didn't even put the customer on the table. Who's the customer? Well, I got two. That's, that's kind of the problem that's I have and. here. Yeah, so yeah. that's my and. So that's, that's where I'm kind of at. So I have podcast as a service. What we're yep. doing right now, this is a service. You know, I do the yep. podcast with you. I give yep. you all the content. I give you yep. social copy, this, that, and the other, all the edits, all the clips. So that's a service. I could target that towards Perfect. a business like yours, yep. right? And then I, but also my idea, which I think is unique to everyone else is because anyone can do what I do. But the idea I have, what I think is unique to others is targeted more towards the general podcaster. So like, this is a general podcast. This is talking with Tarashuk. You know, I'm speaking with you now. Mm-hmm. Last week, it was a podcast professional. Week before that, I was a political commentator, right? Cool, all, cool. all over the place. Yeah. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. The general podcast, someone that's talked to everybody, can still have a place because instead of finding a niche, you're creating a niche. So for example, yeah. this, is, this is a conversation. This, don't think of this as a podcast. This is a conversation I'm going to put on a podcast feed. It's going to yep. be on a Talking with Terrace totally. podcast feed. Now, my original idea was, okay, I'm going to have talking entrepreneurs with Tarashuk as a playlist and subsect of yep. the podcast. But the problem yep. was yep. it got really confusing. Yep. So it's like, Don't okay, let me yeah. rebrand that. So it's not necessarily a same podcast. It's going to be a different podcast called um, the Founders Edition. Where yep. I'm speaking to founders. Yep. So it's a conversation split into two different podcasts. So the target audience could be general podcasters looking for niches. So you, you teed up a lot. I can speak to a lot of that. One is, I think this one's actually, yours is easy because it's it's not even like two like close together customers. These are like two different businesses. And to be fact, you could run them at the same time, right? Because they're almost so different. And one, you're just so good at doing, it's like in your veins, you can just do it, right? Oh, thank you. So, so I do think that it's pretty simple. These are two different businesses where podcast services for small businesses um, is itself actually pretty clear um podcast services again there's maybe three or four different things it could be all of them it could be it could be all of them because if i'm a consumer customer of these services i don't want just one i might want the full stack so the full stack might be the thing that's very fair that's very fair um you should follow if you don't follow already um everybody and will um, um alex lieberman is one of the founders of morning group He's been tweeting a lot about um, starting a ghostwriting agency. So helping people write tweets. That is functionally the same of what you're describing. It is the same idea. It is an agency that says, hey, maybe a black box. I don't, maybe I do tell you what we do. Maybe I don't tell you what we do, but I'm going to create an outcome for you, which is content of this type of this variety for this purpose. And he's killing it. He's apparently like got, I mean, he's also famous. So he's got a million Twitter followers. Everything is easy. To, back to my point, everyone is everything is easy when you build a $100 million newsletter business. Easy, right? Things like this become easy, but he earned it. Um, but fundamentally, um, and, and, and when you have that audience, he might not need to niche down into like, I'm doing ghostwriting for a very specific group, Right. I would think in that side of your businesses, you're going to have a decision about the niche to say, 
what am I niching down to like a type of business? Is it startups? Is it small businesses? Is it like landscaping businesses and main street businesses? Or is it like tech businesses? Like there's, and I'm excited to dig into you like back in the program, like when we're doing the work, because I think there's a lot of thinking about, you know, this concept of jobs to be done. What do, what do each of the potential customers and niches you could go after really need or want? Right. And like, really, and if you know it, treat it with a grain of salt and go talk to them and confirm it. Right. Really understand what each group needs or wants and figure out how your thing, your thing isn't going to change, but how your thing can be positioned and speak to those needs or wants differently and the tightest fit back to our product market fit is the business you built. And there's definitely a business over there in terms of podcasting as a service. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm leaning towards that one because it's something that was always successful. So it's, it's in, again, you've got validation. Other people are doing it. Like every aspect of that um, fits and makes sense. And like, I'm like, Super pumped for you to take that path. Well, let me the ask other you this thing, too. Oh, sorry, just, I'm just super pumped you. for you to also do your own podcast. And like, it's it's not easy to be the next Lex Friedman or like Joe Rogan. Like they were already like kind of famous. I don't, I don't really know where Lex Friedman came from, right? I have no idea where Lex came from either, but Rogan had I mean, bigger factor stand-up comedy. Right. Right? But they were, I mean, I mean, actually I do know about Lex Friedman is, is like a researcher. He's kind of like an academic. That's right. why he talks like, he, he's like, he's like very intellectual. Um, but, uh, but somehow, like, I'm sure like 500 episodes in, it started to click, right? So, Takes a long time. So a very you're, long you're, time. I, that one has like the characteristics be much tougher as a business from the perspective of, it's not that there's not a large group of people who want a broad ranging conversation show. Right. It's finding those people consistently and building a, a, a flywheel out of those people. That's going to be really tough. So this is the way right. I say it to people that it's like, this is what people get hung up on. They have this like big idea for this big market and they go, every single person in this market would find value in all the things I'm doing. I go very true, but you'll never reach them and you'll never build a real business to reach them and successfully capture them as customers until you speak to them really clearly. And that requires niching. So it just becomes like a chicken and egg question of like, do you want your business to be successful and actually reach one of these people? Then you have to go niche. If you want to like die on the hill of doing the thing that you're passionate about, stay broad. <laughs> right. And, and they're going to die. It's not going to work. And niche, correct me if I'm wrong here, niche can turn into broad, right? You start on one and you build out Every and time. expand to the other. Straight up, straight I, up. I think... It, it, it I just has to happen organically. It has to happen. Yeah, absolutely. You, you speak to a lot of founders, obviously. And I think you can kind of, correct me if I'm wrong here again, where I think a lot of founders, I'm going to say myself here included, they try and start at the end where they say, okay, our goal is to go public by this year, selling at this valuation, which, hey, that's a good goal to have, but then work backwards. And then you guys start at the beginning. You guys, you guys start at the beginning. Uh, I've, met, I've made this mistake so many times, even with day one along the way. And I remember it back super clearly. The very first business we, we tried to build in when I was at Human Ventures, the venture studio before day one. So this is six plus years ago now. We, um, I drew a line from where we were to the number of like users we wanted 
And I was like, we need to get these number of users every week or month. And it looks like this. That is so wrong. That is the absolute, it's, it's both you're going to go up and down or what it's going to be is it's going to be really flat until something clicks and then it's going to go like this. Right. And so it, it's like a logical minded person would be like, yeah, we just grow like this dots up to the right straight line slope. This is why entrepreneurship is so um, counterintuitive. It's why the misfits do entrepreneurship, right? I'm unlearning so many things. It's because you have to be like this. So what ends up happening is irrationally focused people do things wrong, 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 wrong until it's right. And it's not wrong, wrong, wrong. It's try thing one, try thing two. It's Thomas Edison, 999 failures before he gets it right. So it's not wrong in the sense of like, don't do it. It's like, do it until you get there. So I don't really know how I got off on this tangent. It was um, starting at the end. Starting at the end, bad idea. You can't start at the end because the line doesn't, is, is not straight. It's, it's this crazy, um, so you're right. You kind of, and I kind of, I chafe against this as a logical person who knows about the journey. You kind of do have to just do the thing in front of you, do the next thing put your head down, do it. But the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing is not like do the marketing like you're about to IPO tomorrow. It's learn, 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 learn. And so if you as a founder can stay disciplined to I do things to learn and when I have enough of the right things, when I put that to, so like in your case, Will, you should do things to learn, like talk to all the different types of businesses and ask them, are podcasts in your repertoire for this year? Are you struggling to do a podcast? Like all the questions about getting a podcast on. Some of them, when you have enough honest conversations, some people will be like, why would I ever do a podcast? And other people will be like, yeah, all my competitors have one and I need one tomorrow. Yeah, well, I love that question specifically with podcasting because podcasting is a thing that people know they need, but they don't know how to need it and they don't know how to use it. But you even said it there, like the, uh, do you know what the P in podcast stands for? No, because it's like this the old iPod pod situation. Oh, yeah. So right? no, but the, 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 I'm teeing up a Will Towership original here. So the, okay. the, po- the podcast acronym, a podcast is a personally oriented discussion centered around select topics. That's, oh, cool. that's what a podcast is. But the P stands for personal. It's like yeah. I, I say it all the time. I podcast for personal growth. I podcast when I'm curious. How do you become a guest on the Talking with Tarashik podcast? Do you got to make me go, ooh. You just know somebody. That's you know, interesting. You know the guy, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know the guy, but it's all you interesting. Like um, yeah. this morning, um, that, that woman who had that, that's that scale, that financial planner, yeah. I was like, oh, that's very interesting. I was like, well, shit, now I got to have her on the podcast. <laughs> because Absolutely. it's interesting. And you follow Absolutely. your interests. Absolutely. So. It's, 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 yeah, you can't, so you have to be putting your, your head down. You have to be just like doing the things in front of you. and Day at a time. And learning, and learning, 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 learning. Um, and then it works. And then you put it together, and then you see if it really works. And when it does, it's, I definitely don't, one of the things I've been saying to people is like, um, I've seen enough businesses do well, but I've seen way more businesses not do well. And all the businesses that don't do well do the same things. And it's the things that they're not, in, in, in so the businesses that succeed all are uniquely awesome. They all figure something out. The businesses that fail or struggle all along the way have the, all the exact same hangups, right? They all scale too early. They all play to the end way too fast. They, um, they 
they basically run out of money, run out of, you know, they basically run out of fuel. They don't give themselves the runway needed. Um, and they kind of just don't stay home and they're not really honest about what's working and what's not, you know? And fundamentally that's like, if you do enough of that, there, there is a level, if you reduce all of entrepreneurship down to some of these basic, basic things, if you stay, have the ability to stay in the game and you keep your like core, you have this honest, humble focus on the learning things, you will succeed. And that's where like, I will put a platitude out there, which is like, if you do these things, it is impossible not to get somewhere, right? Um, Because you are just uncovering, you're just going through one failure to the next failure to the next failure until something works. And like, maybe there's this like crazy outlier case where like, you just cannot (laughs) learn from your past mistakes. But we're all like, anyone listening to this, like, this is a, this is where, the other fundamental thing entrepreneurs need is a growth mindset and really frankly just some amount of awareness to grow from thing to thing right man so the i've never met somebody quite like this but if you just are like blindly <laughs> throwing your head against the wall i'm like that's also not very fun um i don't want really to know what to do about that like maybe you'll get lucky but if you can learn from your things you're gonna get somewhere when do you know when to pivot Right, so like you're, you're trying one thing so hard. Like, uh, did you like, know I'm writing an essay on this right now? I I'm had gonna, no, I had I'm, no idea. I'm so publishing please. it tomorrow. I'm publishing it tomorrow. It's in our newsletter. Um, tomorrow oh, morning, I'm going to look forward to that one. Yeah, yeah, so give, yeah. give me a sneak peek. So, like for example, my my podcast playlist idea: talking blank with Tarashuk. Yeah, I, it's really I tried about it. these. I gave it five months. Now it's like, yep. I, and, and I I spoke to industry professionals who whom I respect, and they all was like, I I don't get it. So I was like, okay, I need a pivot. Yeah. So when it, when when do you find that moment to say like when how how long do you give it and when do you find that moment to say this isn't working you try something else? Yeah. So I actually start with like outer bounds, right? Meaning if you zero to six months is not enough time for anything. So everything gets six months, right? Um, if you've hit three years on something, you should be asking these questions if it's not obviously working. So it's really somewhere between like twelve and twenty four months that. So, you know, nine months, you probably should start to feel things up or down, right? Good or bad. But like, if you're getting to a year and beyond, you can probably, again, if you're aware and thoughtful, you should probably be able to call it by 18 months, two years at the max, right? But again, like outer bounds, it's like a bell curve, right? So, um, but really, if it's less than six months, I don't think you've learned enough to tell me if it's actually a bad idea, even if you think it's not working. And if you've done it for three years and it's not working, my assumption is it's not working, <laughs> right? And you probably shouldn't keep going. So that's easy enough, right? The um, Everything underneath that is where it gets really tough, of course, right? Which is, are there leading indicators? Here's the premise, actually, that it makes it so tough, is that if you're in the middle of something, let's say you're 15 months into a business, um, and enough stuff has, has worked to give you some like hope and maybe some revenue, um, maybe a few angel investors, whatever, right? You've made it 15 months, which isn't nothing because if you went 15 months without a salary, that's quite a lot of time, et cetera. Let's say you make it 15, 18 months. Um, it's going to be hard. And it's crazy that halfway through, a, you know, 18 months into a startup, just because it's hard doesn't tell you it's not working. Hard could be the beginning right before it works or hard could be 
it's never going to get easier and it's going to die. The same hard is, is exists in both worlds. So you can't just say like, this is tough. I'm having down days. I'm eating glass. Successful businesses have down days and eat glass. Okay. So that's on the table. That's why it's so tough because you can't trust your gut about why things are good or bad. So I basically give five criteria and they're really the kind of core criteria a founder needs to build to get somewhere. So if you were super honest with yourself and not going past go on each of these steps, you would never find yourself in this position because you would basically, um, basically keep focusing on one thing until you got it, right? But if you find yourself 18 months in and you don't have a repeatable way to get a new customer, I don't think you have a business. I think you should stop. Um, or get very close to thinking about stopping, right? Or, or rather, sorry, stop is the wrong word. Do something different. Change course. Change course might be a big pivot. Change course might be take, take a break. Change course might be a lot of things, right? But don't keep doing it, right? And I get into more details, right? But very specifically, if you can't figure out, if you don't know what input leads to a customer, I do these things. I spend this much on ads. I go to these conferences. I whatever. Um, you're basically guessing, right? And guessing is not going to ever get you a business. It needs to get um, scientific, right? Um, that's a marketing question. The other side is products. If you don't know why people love your product and you can't predict which kind of customer is going to love it and stay, like, like when I talked about all those different types of podcasters who could go in, right? You need to find the kind where you're like, I know three out of 10 of this kind of customer is into podcasts for all the reasons, right? And it doesn't have to be 100%. Yet it just has to be a predictable number, <laughs> right? So that you can build a machine around that, right? And then if you don't know why they love it, you also are guessing. And so that's one of the main things. Just now that I've said it out loud, it's always helpful to talk it through. If you're guessing at why your business works and how your business grows, um, you either need to pretend, you either need to revert back to a very scientific exploratory mode or basically recognize that like you're too far. Like you've overshot the, the thing, like you're over your skis. So change course, right? Anyway, I don't think this, this is um, hard and fast. Like this isn't going to be a framework that's like, oh, I can like play, like this is going to be more like thought provoking and like asking the question that not enough people ask. Cause I think I'm still working through the framework cause it's so freaking touchy, <laughs> you know, like the reason why nobody talks about this is cause like you'll get canceled if you tell people to give up, <laughs> you know, yeah. like if yeah, you're the guy who's like, yeah. this is like you, and you'll never get canceled if you tell people to keep on, you know, you'll like, you'll get Gary Vee retweeting you if you say that kind of stuff. Right. That, so, that LinkedIn meme is just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. And it's like, it's a meme in like a hundred ways. Like, so but it, I it think, really is the best and worst advice. How many people in the past month or so just told me, just keep doing what you're doing. But it's like, what does that mean? It was keep doing what you're doing. It's going to work eventually. It's like, okay, okay yeah. thanks. So I think what I'm thanks. trying to give people is some ways, some questions to think through such that if you think through all the questions and you can't answer them all, or you don't have great answers for them, it means either change course or just like revert back. Be pretend like go backwards in the journey. Right. Which generally means, um, like, if your business is, like, burning a lot of cash and you don't have these answers, yeah, you're, you're kind of killing yourself, you know? 
go back and be lean, right? Go back and get a job, right? Figure it out slowly or don't jump in until you figure it out. So yeah, this this is, um, this has been a learning journey. I've learned so much over the last three years and it's both been building day one. It's been obviously building with tons of founders and, you know, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid that I need to get out in the world with (laughs) building an audience and I'm using a newsletter and, you know, I think Rahul's going to start podcasting and it's, uh, it's absolutely something that, um, I think all founders should be doing. It's just, um, it's hard to do it in the moment because you get super busy with a hundred other things. Right. Yeah. So well, that's where a podcast, start, start ahead that's of time. Where podcast as a service comes in. I think it is. I, I think it is. Like, well, my, my goal is just, okay, listen, you know, you know, you need it. Like if you can't start a podcast, use mine. I think, I think it's, it's like I said, like content as a service, I've seen so many different content agencies. Um, there's definitely a niche of people where their next bit of content is a podcast and they absolutely should outsource chunks right. of it. And Look, you have you to figure out who that weekly. is it and what is weekly. it. In fact, oh, for sure, I, would, right? I would prefer it to be quarterly <laughs> to be honest. For sure. But, but, and, and actually back to your question of like, what kind of niche, like what kind of services should you offer? I don't know. Right. Some services right. might be like, I need the full stack. I, I'm just not going to touch this. Others That's might fine, be like, right? I need, I need half the stack. I want yeah. to do some myself and I want to not do others. Right. Yeah. The idea is right. Like you here's the menu. Here's the podcast have a service menu. You can get the yeah. whole thing or you can pick and choose what you need. I, it, it's always a great way to start out when you're building a business. You don't need to be overly prescriptive, especially right. if you're building an agency business, like a services business. If you're being, if you're building software, you do need to be prescriptive. Software is a different animal. It's, and it's an, yeah. obviously lots of businesses are nowadays software businesses. Very expensive too. I mean, expensive. I mean, Depends who you are. You and I, we're not engineers. If you're an engineer, it's just like two, two weekends and you can build an app, you know, like it's, uh, this is where like the founder fit thing matters, right? Like if you're not an engineer, you have a different path. If you are an engineer, um, you're probably overbuilding. You probably build way too much before you ship things to people, you know? So it's, uh, it's always about just, you know, this is, this is where every time I do a podcast, I realize I'm being a little hypocritical. Cause I'm like, listen, the advice, you can't listen to it. It's all platted. Like, like anything you hear, that's not personal. You have to take with a grain of salt. Yes. Even us right now. I agree. Right. So if you're listening to this, you take it with a grain of salt, right? It's why day one exists because you need to get past that platitude level advice. If you want to do it, if you want to take your entrepreneurial journey seriously and you think you're getting a university online by going to Twitter, you're not, (laughs) you're not. University is about sparring with your peers. University is about learning from professors. University is the experience. It's not the textbook, right? And so if you actually want the entrepreneurial university, back to this metaphor, right? That's what day one is built around, right? And we do content like this because we want to entertain you and we want to give you insights, but it's really just has to be the beginning. It has to be. We're not trying to solve everything. We know we're not in some ways we're actually doing a session with Will. This is like what's going to happen to Will, the rest of the cohort. It's going to be deep like this, deeper than this. We're going to get real with Will. We're going to get really getting <laughs> specifics and I'll lay specifics. out numbers and I'm going to curse out certain people. And it's going to be a lot of it's fun. It's going to be therapy. It's going to be, it's going to be detailed. It's going to be, it's, it's in this one, that's how it gets done, you know? So. Well, I already have ideas, right? Like I, you know, I know I had those, like I said, I had two different lanes here. So they're completely different. Well, they still kind of tie into each other. So I'm going to try and work that out and figure it out. But, uh, 
Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for the fellowship. Have you ever had have you ever had a podcaster like me do the fellowship? Am I am I I don't want to say one of a kind, but am I am I a dime a dozen or am I a We've had a few other like um creators, right? So um guy came through a, a cohort at the end of last year who had a he's a chef and he's Ooh. got a few hundred thousand TikTok followers. Um Good guy came him. through uh a while back who has over a million TikTok followers and he talks about mental health. So we've had a few different creators, if you will, broadly, right? But not podcasts as a medium, right? Awesome. Plenty of people have been writing newsletters, a little less, some full-time. And again, it's kind of, to me, I think they're all like different mode mediums for the same idea, right? right. Um, of course. So yeah, there's definitely people who are using media as their business. Um, and plenty of people doing services as their business, right? Like, so you're doing both, right? You're doing the media, you're doing the services. That's, that's very standard inside of day one, alongside people building tech and SaaS and everything in between. Yeah. So I'm glad know. you said, I'm glad you said Rahul was going to start a podcast because I can't wait to get him. He on. wants to, he wants to, he yeah. got the bug by being at VCon over the weekends. And I'm, uh, I'm very excited to get him on. I, I want, I want to hear a lot about what it's like. I'm going to obviously talk about businesses and stuff, but from the gen, from the perspective of a first generation American, because mm. my girlfriend's first generation American, her family's from Guyana. So we, this comes up all the time <laughs> about yeah. being first generation American and the struggles and this, that, and the other. So that's a little preview for everybody, probably towards the end of the program. Cause these next, these next four weeks can be boot camp. And I am very excited for boot camp. It's going to be a kick in the ass and a push in the right direction. Absolutely. So Absolutely. That's, that's good. Andrew, I want to thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you, Will. I want to thank, thank you, you for, for having newsletter. me. But before we go, the final question of the podcast okay. always goes to the guest. If there's anything, okay. you're going to have a lot of questions for me over the first, these next few weeks. So, yeah. But please, share one right now. Anything you want to ask me? Dude, Will, book. one of the things I was thinking as I was coming on, because I, I haven't had a haircut in like, like oh, how long has it been? How long has it been since you had your haircut? These these luscious locks right here. Yeah, and your uh, your nice little uh, highlight there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's real. That that's I, real. That's what we have gray in, hair in highlight. In the intro, I say yes. I know I have gray hair. That's natural. It's not a highlight. I, I promise. Oh, I love I, it. I, I love wish it. I was that creative. No, the hair, the the gray hair I started in my college, and it's just only there. Apparently, it's a birthmark. I googled it. So. Oh, that's cool. But that's... I didn't get it until college, so that was weird. But last time I got a haircut, I think was my brother's wedding, October. So, so that's six, like ten, eight, six, That's more six, than six months. Six months. Give eight months. Yeah. 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 Maybe maybe seven months. So I usually do it once a year. I will since COVID. So actually, funny story. I mean, COVID has messed up my schedule as well. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was gonna get a haircut like right before COVID, and then I just never went because I was lazy. And but then everything shut down. I was like, all right, I'm just going to grow it out until I hate myself. <laughs> and I made it, I made it until August, 2021. It's about yeah. a year, but a year and a, it was probably about almost two years since I got a cut. It was down. I probably to had hair down to, I yeah. was up there. Yeah. I mean, I think most men gave it a shot. <laughs> yeah. I'm never, Life I'm never doing hair. the man bun again, but, uh, I like it. I like it this length. If I could stay like this forever, I probably would, but I'm getting very close to cutting it because uh, summer is coming. It gets hot yeah. in New Jersey. And yeah. uh, my dad's 65th birthday is tomorrow. And we're doing a party for him in June. So I got to make sure I get a haircut. Or else my you got to look fresh. Smack me up the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. So, well, 
I was, uh, I don't, I mean, I, I don't remember it from the first time you got a hat on. I can remember, but I was like, all right, I love the look. I love the locks. So that was it, my it question. Hides, it hides, it hides the headphones. So that's a good yeah. one. That's good. I'm glad you didn't ask what I want for the podcast. That's typically what people ask. Cause oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a surprise. The last, the last question is you do surprise unless someone listened to a full podcast before coming on. So cool. Cool. Neither here nor there. But this Andrew, was fun, my friends. Yes. Anything you want to plug? Uh, social media, the what the, the company. Day one, one last day time, one, plug it away. Easy, easy enough to find. We are joindayone.com and uh simple website. We try to streamline how you uh get to know us. And you can find us on Twitter. Um we're day one D one. Can can get our handle. And I'm AW Hutton on Twitter. Uh, I've had an OG Twitter and I don't know why I chose that, but, um, we'd love to connect on all the socials and, and yeah, if you're interested, you know, find me, DM me, ask questions and apply. We have cohorts that launch every, uh, four to six weeks. And so we, um, would love to see some entrepreneurs from the talking with Tara Shuck community. And join his newsletter. The newsletter is fantastic. That's right. That's I, a great way to stay in, in the know. Yes, indeed. I, I never read newsletters. This is actually one of the first one other than like maybe like the Daily Dot back way back when that I've actually read. And oh. it's been incredibly helpful. Like, you know, my, like I said, my, my girlfriend sent it to me. I was just like, she's like, you should apply for a phone call. And I was like, let me read the newsletter first. And I was like, well, that's made, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's like four, out of, four or five out of 10 things you said. <laughs> I was like, fuck, this guy's talking to me. So, all right, let me schedule a call. Dude, so, I'm here for that. Thank you. So, I, uh, yeah, I am now becoming, I'm now subscribing to more newsletters just to see what happens. Dude, definitely get it. I appreciate that so much. That's going to keep my newsletter habit going for the next two months, that one Excellent. compliment. And ladies uh, and thanks, gentlemen, Will. my name is Will Tarash. It's T as in Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K. Big thank you to my guest, Andrew Hutton, the CEO and co-founder of Day One. If you want to find all of my nonsense talking with Tarashuk, because anywhere and everywhere podcasts can be found. Talk with Tarashuk on TikTok, talk with Tarashuk on Instagram and YouTube. My YouTube shorts is probably the most fun I do in podcasting. I'm averaging about 50,000, 60,000 views a month, which is excellent. So thank you to everybody who has subscribed. And thank you to ChatGPT for helping me write descriptions to help me get those in the algorithm. Uh, if you want to be a guest, email me, Willie T. Productions Info at gmail.com. I'm not going to spell that one out, but it's Willie T. Productions, plural, info at gmail.com. You make me go, ooh, that's interesting. Congratulations. You'll be on the show, whether I want to or not. And finally, the final note, as much as I hate asking for it, I do it because I have to, not because I want to. Down there and below is a link to the Talking with Tara Shot GoFundMe to support the podcast. Any dollar amount is helpful because, hey, I got debt to pay still, and this is still an emerging business. Anything is appreciated. Thank you very much. Next week, I will have a surprise guest because I don't know who it is yet. But I'll see you there. But until then, y'all take care.